everyone from Raven, Kentucky. Good morning from Germany. Good morning from Westeros, Sweden. Good morning from Aga. Or, as I would say here in Warsaw, cześć, dzień dobry, z tej strony Agnieszka Żeleźnicka. Hi guys. Good morning from Texas. Good morning, all. morning everybody especially over on youtube this is the morning brew i am your host sonny von cleveland alongside my co-host gavin kerr welcome to the morning brew ladies and gentlemen this uh is the launch of the show the official launch of the show episode one season one welcome to the show where we take worldwide topics about positivity motivation and inspiration and we bring them to you in the morning to digest and put some good stuff into your day gavin good morning my friend good morning sonny how you doing brother good uh and remember if this is your first time watching us guys Please shoot over there and tap that subscribe button, reach next to it, hit that notification bell, and click all so you get notified anytime we drop new videos. Don't forget to like the videos, hit that share button for us, and drop us some comments because we like to know how you are doing this morning. Let's say what's up to those that have joined us. Amos Creek is here. Good morning, Amos Creek. A8FI, good morning, Carlos Iwari. Good morning, C. Same. James Menke, Brian Tracy, Uni Takala coming in from Finland. Uh, good morning, everybody. Uh, Gavin, how you doing, buddy? How was your weekend? My weekend was good. Uh, what all did I do? I worked for the most part. Yesterday, I took the day off, which was very strange for me. I woke up late. I didn't have anything to do. We weren't doing the morning brew show. It's the weekend. I uh, woke up later in the day, went to the gym, came home, and it was cold and rainy out, and I just kind of passed out on the couch. Woke up <laughs> later, watched a movie with my mom, and uh, just relaxed for the evening. It was a fairly uh, good weekend for me. Uh, I had uh, my buddy, uh, Justin Gattins, came up with his his girl and spent the weekend with us. Um, nice. Uh, we actually went to, so so after uh, streaming, or after my show, I think Saturday, yesterday, Saturday, Saturday, we decided to run down and just have a beer. Uh, he was here, so I was like, hey, let's go have a beer and a shot. And uh, we went down for that beer and a shot, and it turns out, the 90s cover band Gen X was playing. Yeah. Uh, and so there was some live music, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. I haven't seen any live music in forever. So I did a, a live reaction to a live performance, uh, and it was pretty good, man. It was, nice. it was pretty good. Uh, I haven't seen live music in such a long time. It's been uh, a lot. And, and it just it hits you with how much we've been restricted and how much we've been laid back, you know, or how much yeah. we've been locked down and, and shut down. And, and, and it was nice to be able to get out and, and see some good, fresh new stuff and just get that vibe back. You know, it was, it was like, it was therapy. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it's, 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 it's insane. It made it how... feel like normal again, almost. Right. Right. You yeah. almost, almost, almost felt normal. You know, there's yeah. maybe five people in the freaking building. Wasn't a lot, but that was fine. Uh, yeah. But 
well, and they were a really good band as well. And that that was the the cool part. If you've ever, never seen Gen X, go check them out. They're an incredible band, uh, and they do uh, amazing covers. They did a little bit of Bush. They did some Green Day. Uh, it was a pretty good time. Uh, so what have you got for us this morning, Gavin? Tell us something good and something positive. You're talking about the article or just in general? Your article, yeah. Mark, okay. <laughs> uh, we got a nonprofit working hard in California to try to find a cure to these forest fires that have been going on. So uh, basically you- what they're doing is they're just planting an extreme amount of trees. <clears throat> Uh, these are the fires that are plaguing California, right? Yeah, they, yeah and they have they been still years going? on and off. I'm not sure if they still are, but I know that um, California has had forest fire issues for many years because of how dry it is there. They have very little water, constantly experiencing drought and forest fires because of it. The land is actually scarred on a lot of areas of California because of this fire issue as well. Huh. So this nonprofit uh, has yeah. has been planting trees. Is after recent devastating fires in California, the Bureau of Land Management is <laughs> I got sidetracked by that. Hold on. Is teaming up with a specialist nonprofit forest management organization to re-engineer the typical California forest to be more fire resistant. For decades in California, forest restoration consisted of planting tr- pine trees like rows of cabbages. The theory behind it was that sunlight would be especially limited on the forest floor, preventing a flood of grass, shrubs, and weeds from taking over the ground in between the trees. This pines-in-line strategy also created the perfect forest uh, as far as fires were concerned, as it allowed the fire enough fuel to reach the canopies and places to spread in every direction. American Forests, the nonprofit in question, works hard to replant forests in a way that's much more like how many forests existed before the arrival of Europeans, namely clumps of different kinds of trees, not just pines, spaced far enough apart to prevent wildfires from spreading. This also protects from drought, as the small clumps excluded from the company of the trees by open ground have a greater monopoly on the supply of water that falls on them. American Forest has climate-informed projects going in the San Bernardino Mountains, as well as the areas as, as well as around the towns of Paradise and Concow, which the campfire destroyed. In collaboration with the BLM, uh, Butte County Fire Safe Council, and the Butte County Resource Conservation District, which includes both public and private lands. That is awesome. It, yeah. it, the fires. It says, Go ahead. Oh, it says uh, 2020, 2021, they will have provided 75,000 trees and over 120,000 trees over the next two years in the burn scar campfire areas of 2018. That's incredible. That, you know, those numbers are just so crazy, right? Like when you yeah. hear those kind of numbers, you're like, Man, that's like a whole forest. That's a huge, like, like you're that's a lot building, of trees. That's a lot of trees. And I'm like, excited to see how um, this affects the wildlife. <laughs> Have you ever seen the uh, the documentary? It's a, it's a short clip. I think it's like maybe like five or ten minutes long. How wolves change rivers? No. So you got to look it up. It's really cool. It's about um the reintroduction of wolves into Yellowstone Park, basically. Um, there was a time where Yellowstone was, uh, it was kind of barren 
and it was struggling the ecosystem there because of all the deer that were there. They were eating up all the all the plants and everything. Kind of like here in Ohio, we get them overrun all the time, so we got to hunt them down. Well, they reintroduced wolves into Yellowstone, and they started eating the deer. And what this did is it provided all this new plant life that wasn't being eaten by these deer to other animals. So you had more rabbits and weasels and things like that because of that other mid-level predators were able to come out and they were able to start hunting those. So their populations went up and all this new plant life and everything, all this, these like new animals introduced um, dams by beavers were being created all of a sudden. And what it ended up doing is indirectly this chain reaction was caused that created the rivers to change their shape because the landscape was changed by all the different plants and the beavers making dams and animals making new homes in the ground. And just the whole ecosystem was completely turned around just by adding wolves. Really? Yeah, it's really cool. And it's like five minutes long. You got to watch it sometime. Anybody listening, how wolves change rivers, look it up on YouTube. You said it's five minutes long? About, yeah, yeah. It's like five or ten minutes long, yeah. You should bring it. And uh, maybe we all watch it here. That is pretty yeah. interesting. I like it. Absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, do not forget. Uh, so the way the morning brew is going to work, since this is episode one, season one, uh, we're going to tell you how this goes. Each day we are going to have reoccurring guests uh, that are going to be coming in weekly. Mondays we are doing a dome improvement section with Guinness record holder and memory master Dave Farrow. Uh, so he'll be joining us at about 7.30. And at the top of the hour, we will be interviewing guests every day. Uh, today's uh, guest is uh, a disabled veteran uh, and author, speaker, and fitness coach, uh, Emilio Roman, will be joining us a little bit later at the show, right at the top of the hour. Uh, so stay tuned for those awesome segments. Um, and we also... Uh, Throughout the week, we have reoccurring guests like uh, Delight Cafe CBD owner Brandon Croucher will be joining us, uh, I believe, on Thursdays or Wednesdays. Alan Matfield will be joining us on Fridays. Rolling with Greg Potter will be on Tuesdays. Uh, and, and we have uh, Josh Barland, uh, the shock jock evangelist, will be here on Wednesdays. So we've got something great for everybody coming up uh, all throughout the week to get your morning started off right. Uh, I am bringing a wonderful little message today, and I just got a message from Kai Hato, so I just kind of got sidetracked. <laughs> <laughs> you get a message from the drummer of Nightwish, it doesn't matter what you're doing, you stop and you take a look at it. <laughs> How about Sunday this week? That would be perfect. That would be perfect. Isn't that something? I am in the middle of a show responding to Kai Hato. Got to do that. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, so today I found this amazing story. You guys are really going to check this out. It, it's it's going to be awesome. You guys are going to love this. Good morning, Jason Cavallero. Good morning, Samantha West over there. Uh, I wanted to make sure I say hi to some people. Corey Towell has joined us. First time I have been awake at 5 a.m. in years. Don't know what is going on with my brain and body. Maybe new meds. Well, that's good, Corey. Uh, and I'm glad that you're sharing that with us because uh, we are here for you every morning. Uh, hopefully you wake up and come join the morning with us, grab you a cup of coffee and come hang out. Good morning to Simjo as well. So I found a story about these two gentlemen, primarily based on one gentleman. There's an organization called Rally Health, and these two gentlemen decided that they were going to get on their pedal bikes and go 300 miles in 24 hours. 
Good to God. raise $12,000. Check this out. So his friend Taylor uh, had joined Rob to ride 300 miles in under 24 hours. Every bit. <clears throat> that I was going to finish this. And it was just a matter of doing it. Oh, my God. It was such an easy sell. Like, it's, it's such a worthwhile cause. And I think it's very, very important. They raised over $12,000 for a mental health counseling charity. Oh, crap. For rally cycling. And I saw that, and I, I just, I had to bring that. I, how incredible. It, these guys, 300 miles on a bike. The entire... Uh, line of Vancouver Island in less than 24 hours they rode this on it but I mean this, doesn't that that seems just insanity right do you know how long um, of a drive that is just to sort of put in reference right so if you're going 300 miles it's going to take you about 6 hours yeah. Five. it depends on how fast you're going I, yeah. I can travel from here to Detroit in about 4 hours uh, and I think that's that's roughly the same. I, I think we're like yeah. three, uh, three hours from Toledo. So imagine that. Imagine riding from here, from from Cleveland, Ohio, to Detroit on a pedal bike. You have to be going consistent speed the entire time too to make that. Uh, because you got to stop. You got to stop to go to the bathroom. You got to stop to eat. I'm sure they napped for a little bit. They're not biking that straight. You have to imagine that. What is that? If you have 300 miles. And you're on a, on a bike, and it's 24 hours. Just let's say it was 24 hours. How many how yeah. many miles an hour would that be? So you're going 24 goes into 300. What? Ten times um, is 240. Yeah. Uh, so you're looking at maybe 15 ish, roughly 15 miles an hour. Like yeah. that is that is not. I, not I, slow. I, just, I can't imagine it. Like you, you're pedaling ass. You and yeah. you do have to maintain a hell of a speed. Like, like you yeah. got to maintain a consistent speed to get there. Three hundred miles in one day—it's insanity. Yeah. I, like, I, but and then the, the cool part, I, the the most important part, and the coolest part is that they're doing it to raise charity money for mental health uh, counseling. Which is isn't just like a mental health organization. You're not just giving money off to a mental health organization saying, "Here, do what you do." This is mental health counseling. So it's paying for other people that can't afford it to come in and get counseling. Uh, yeah. I think it's just absolutely incredible. J. Cab did the math. It is twelve point five miles per hour. <laughs> but that's right. for twenty four hours. So right. we got to take right. into account the fact that they were stopping to go to the bathroom to eat things. Right. They probably took like a two-hour nap at some point. And, and they went less than 24 hours. I don't yeah. know the exact time uh, because it wasn't much <laughs> on the article itself. Uh, but they did it in less than 24 hours, which is absolutely amazing. It's just yeah. such an incredible thing, man. Uh, I, I Those are the kinds of people uh, that I like to highlight and spotlight. In, in in this show is, is people that do that and 
Uh, it's just incredible. Uh, and it is now time. We are going to check in with our Overspeed Seas correspondent like we always do. We're going to bring in the young Mrs. Krista Wolf. Uh, and she has a, a little story from on the other side of the pond for us. Ladies and gentlemen, Miss Krista. Morning, everybody. Hello, love. Morning, love. Good morning. <laughs> chip, chip, cheerio. And a cup of <laughs> to you as well. That never love? gets old. How fares the day for you, my love? Oh, I've had an hour's sleep. You know, I think uh, Krista lives a rock star life, I think. I do. Yeah. I think a rock star life. She's like, she's one of those people that are not a rock star, but she's a freaking rock star. <laughs> like, this girl gets like two hours of sleep a night and, and, and is just. And I still keep going. Wired up on coffee all the time. Did you see the message she sent us? I can't stay. I'm knackered. What is, I am. What is the word? <laughs> what does knackered mean? I'm tired. I need a nap. Where did knackered come from? It's a British it like word. Nipples? No. It's like know, it's not. It, it's uh, like broken, exhausted. Like, knackered. Yeah. Knackered. Someone, someone nicked her time, and now she's knackered. That's such a Nick Max. Uh, right, look, and right here it is for everybody to see. Knackered. So it is a thing uh, in England that when you're yep. tired, you are just plum knackered. Do you say plum? Mm-hmm. Do you guys use the no. word plum? I'm plumming. No. I'm just no, love that's plums. Like, I'm plum that, knackered. That's like posh speaking snobbery. Uh, Hmm. (laughs) it's a british thing lol uh let me ask you this how did the brits take it when austin powers came out yay or nay (laughs) good or bad i actually quite like austin powers i find it hilarious love austin powers i have i have a co-worker uh jamie and she's the only one that i know i can do this to uh she's the one who actually trained me online and sometimes just to mess with her I'll go up to her and be like, hey, Jamie, hon, I have a very serious question to ask you. Is it all right? And she goes, yeah, absolutely. You can ask me anything, Gavin. She's so sweet. And I go up to her and I go, do I make you horny, baby? And she slaps me. She's like, get out of here. Oh, behave. Oh, behave. And she'll uh, yell at me and I'll go, Jamie, get in my belly. <laughs> Yes, Austin <laughs> Powers was uh, an amazing show, but I thoroughly enjoyed all of it. Yeah. yeah. Page Monster says, Knackered comes from taking old horses to slaughter. It was called the Knacker's Yard. See, now oh, we no. learn all kinds of wonderful things here on the Morning Brew. Horses go to the go to the Knacker's Yard when they are too old. I think that's where it comes from. That's insane. Oh. We all we all just learned something. That is incredible. Krista, uh, you have something to share with us this morning. What do you got for us? I do. This one's actually a little bit older, but it's like really positive. So a group of people started a Facebook group to help people out who were in isolation and sheltering. They would like go and pick up their medication and like drop care packages off toys for kids you name it so the main lady who actually runs the page Mm -hmm. wanted a dog 
um, originally she had put money down on a dog and the breeder ripped her off. Oh. oh. She didn't get the dog. She didn't get her money back. So everybody had a whip round and they got her a cute little Labrador puppy. Oh, look at this little puppers. Oh, Steve Wiley and Richard Bastow became coronavirus heroes for, for Peterborough when they organized a Facebook group of that name, Corona Heroes Peterborough. A community group set up by Stevie and Richard has helped thousands of Peterborough residents. The 14,000 strong group has used social media as a way of bringing people together to help one another. Through care packages delivered by Bicycle to Vulnerable members and Saturday night virtual discos and bingo to cheer everyone up, the group has been a second family for members. Sounds like the ADX Nation. I like it. Uh, fundraising for zoos, members with unexpected difficulties in care packages, the group's generosity has been reasons for its success, despite some members struggling themselves. Creator Stevie even took part in a sponsored fast with Richard during Ramadan to raise money for Children of Adam charity, which helps orphans around the world. Being nominated for the Peterborough Heroes Award was unexpected for Stevie, as she never imagined that the group would be so successful and that she and Richard would be recognized in such a way that is absolutely incredible man and then they brought her the puppy what an yeah. amazing thing uh I, I think dogs uh are so important to people i absolutely. think dogs do, do you believe that dogs have a bit of a different genetic construction than most other animals because almost oh, definitely because you can take wild animals and you can't really train them. You can take them and try to train them, but they still main they still maintain their their wild instinct. Yeah. Uh, but dogs and cats are a different ball game entirely. Why do you think that is? No uh, idea. The only thing I, that I could guess is diet. So the yeah. So the reason why um, humans evolved the way that we did is because our ancestors. Uh, first, we had opposable thumbs, which allowed us to create tools and fire. And because of that, we were able to make our food differently. We were able to hunt a larger game to have more food to take in more calories. And we were able to cook it so we could break it down faster and break it down more efficiently. Because of that, it allowed our brains to evolve at a higher capacity. Well, I think that way back then when we were doing that, we were doing the same thing we do now, which was feeding dogs and cats people food. And we took these animals in. We didn't know anything much about their diet. We just knew, hey, we eat this and it's good. And they eat it when we feed it to them. So maybe over line with evolution, we've constantly feeding them that food. They ain't eating quite the quantity that we do just because they weren't able to feed it to themselves. But possibly they started to evolve a little bit more mentally and create that sort of bond one with us and sort of, um, I guess, mentally evolved to be able to be domesticated and lose that sort of animalistic side to them. Do you have a mic to drop? <laughs> yeah. Like, like I, have, we just, I have coffee and I don't we, want to drop it. We, we literally just tapped. One of Gavin's passions. He's like, oh, you want to talk about, hold up. Who just hit us with a ton of facts about human evolution. And, half its fact, half its theory. 
<laughs> it's my own. Like I kind of put it all together and, and yeah, figured I'd bring you ever that see up. that meme with um with Charlie from Always Sunny in Philadelphia when he's got all the string and the paper notes and stuff like that's what's going on in my head right now. Yeah, I, listen, <laughs> I I adored that show, man. I absolutely love that show. I thought that oh, was such a wonderful show. Uh but I I I do I do I, I see for me I think it goes more uh creationist. Because okay. uh, as an Odinist, I, I believe in both intelligent design, which is, uh, you know, uh, a god or gods having a hand in the formation and creation of all things. But I'm also uh, a, theory, a believer of evolution. I think things that yeah. have evolved. And so I think both things, uh, they go hand in hand together. And I think that companion animals were created uh to assist man uh and and i think that so many animals have gone extinct so many you know so many yeah. different breeds of animals have gone extinct that I, I think that they were more animals that were docile uh that we probably have lost touch with uh especially geographically when you think of like when you have things um I mean, even over here in America, like the wolverine is almost now extinct, which that's not a docile animal. But I'm think think of all the think the of all the, think of the dodo. Think of all the animals that have have gone extinct. I wonder what kind of pets our ancestors had. You know what I mean? Like, did yeah. they just have a standard dog? Was there a standard cat, or was there some type of other animal? Uh, because you yeah. see pictures that come up all the time when they find these skeletal remains of animals. Uh, that existed, you know, thousands and hundreds of thousands of years ago. And it just makes me wonder. I often wonder about these things. Yeah, well, in other cultures, I know that, like, dogs and cats were seen as uh, as godlike a lot of the time. Right, like Egyptians. Yeah, humanoids. Humanoids right. of dogs and cats. Right. I, I think cats especially well, – well, I think it was dogs and cats, right? Okay, Willie yeah. Nilly, have a great day, my friend. I they were both revered. Like you can see the, the, the depiction and like the pictures of Anubis um, yeah. and these other things in like Egyptian temples. So Egyptians really had a big thing with cats and dogs, yeah. uh, which uh, goes back to how long humans have had uh, pets, have had yeah. cats and dogs for pets, except the cats were revered, which kind of makes sense because back in the day, uh, you know, in, in Egyptian times, Cats have attitudes. Cats have a personality. Yeah. So I would imagine that, you know, they, they might think that cats were like godlike or some type of de deified being. Yeah, uh, like, look it, at this animal. I can do so much more than it, but it still thinks it's better than me. Right. It and must that be holy. Is the attitude of a cat. Exactly. Because yeah. I know my, my, my cat, dog knows we're talking about dogs. She's just come up to me and stuck her head in my lap. Yes, uh -huh. they're so. Listen, animals are so intuitive. I found out that the reason my rig headphones, which I paid a lot of money for these sons of bitches, the reason this happened was my cat. The cat, uh. the cat did it. The cat chewed the damn cord off. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. Naughty cat. Can aquatic. <laughs> morning welcome to the show welcome Bon off to the show again good morning butterfly chaos uh welcome in ladies and gentlemen 
Uh, thank you so much for Krista for joining us from across the pond and bringing us that wonderful story. Uh, and we will talk to you very soon. She's quite knackered. We're going to let her go get some sleep. We're going yep. to in today's uh, returning guest, uh, uh, Guinness record holder for memory, uh, Dave Farrow. I bet he gets sick of that. I bet he's like, man, that's how everybody says it. Everybody says, that's an awesome, that's an awesome title, though. How many people have the title of Guinness record holder? Come on. Twice. He has two records, doesn't he? He has two records. Like, his memory stood the test of time twice. Like, you can't mess with me, bro. Like, if you ever get a chance, go check out his uh, Fox appearance on Superhuman. They They brought out a ton of balloons, and he just had a couple of minutes to just look at them. And then they sat him down, and they were like, "Hey, so you know, third row, fifth blue in. What is it? No, oh, that one's uh, it's blue. Oh, that's red. Oh, that's blue. That's red. Just nailed yeah. it. It's like, dude, that's insane. Uh, but we're gonna bring on the one and only Dave Farrow, ladies and gentlemen. Let's get it. Dave, hey, what an introduction, man! That's great. Thanks Welcome for having me, show, my man. No doubt. Welcome back. Uh, Dave's <laughs> going to be a recurring guest every Monday. You can come here and get a little bit of dome improvement. I like to call it uh, just my little play on home improvement because he helps work with the dome. Good am I morning, Wilson across the across the way, or am I like Tim Taylor in that in that analogy? Uh, well, you know what, Tim Taylor was really good with his hands. That okay. Uh, I, but should we give him? I, I think you would be more uh, like the guy on the fence. What is it, Wilson? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, Tim, there's there's two schools of thought on that uh, that particular thing. There, yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> our our resident. What was that guy's name? Yeah, I think I think it was Wilson. On, oh, well, it was the, Wilson. Yeah, I think it was Wilson. Yeah. Anytime I hear the name Wilson, I immediately go to Tom Hanks. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Immediately. Tom Hanks ruined the name Wilson for me. (laughs) Did you ever see the TV show, uh, The Last Man on Earth? Yes. Yes. Yeah. He's got like the tennis ball, the golf ball. It's like the whole bar just full with uh, sports gear with faces. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I never watched a lot of it, but I did see it. It was Uh, pretty good. Sam West came in correctly. Wilson! (laughs) Uh, Okay, Dave, what do you got for our viewers today, man? You're going to be talking about some successful uh, tips and stuff, yeah? Yeah, so, uh, you know, when you approached me about this segment, uh, the the reason why I want to do this is we're launching uh, two uh, YouTube channels, kind of uh, rebranding one of them, but basically... Uh, I, I wear two hats. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm actually still a current Guinness record holder. No one's broken my record, so I can, I can still say that um, for uh, memory. And I spent a lot of my life trying to figure out how the brain works because I was diagnosed with ADHD and dyslexia when I was a kid and my brain didn't work too well. Uh, I had to really figure it out. Um, and thankfully, uh, a lot of the insights that I figured out have helped a lot of people. Um, I'm I'm very proud to say that the the, the courses that I teach, uh, they've literally had hundreds of thousands of copies sold worldwide. It's very, very great success. From that, I got into marketing. I was helping other entrepreneurs achieve the same sort of success that I had achieved. Uh, and now I have uh, two businesses. I, I teach uh, memory and, and brain improvement, brain hacks, 
Um, our, my website is uh, brainhackers.com for a lot of content where a lot of people post things. And then uh, I have Faro Communications. That's what the, the sign behind me is about, which is about PR and marketing for business. And when you approach me about the show, I'm like, you're all about success. We're going to do success with, with your brain. We're going to do success with your life, with money, uh, everything. Uh, that is awesome. But I did just notice the morning brew sign. Yes, I, I put that together. I was feeling a while you guys were talking, so <laughs> got to <Yeah>. represent. <laughs> no doubt. Ah, continue, sir. I did not mean to interrupt. Go ahead. No, no, no. I, I, that's, basically, that's basically it. Uh, what, what I want to do today, because the last time I was on, we talked a lot about memory. Um, and I can ask answer questions about that anytime. But what I want to do today is actually give you some good news from the world of business that actually has to do with COVID. Oh, oh yeah, nice. let's hear it. Okay, well, we Oh, yeah, we're, we're definitely, uh, if you are a business owner or have a hand in business, you may want to pay attention and feel free to, free, yeah, see what I'm saying? Feel free to ask Dave any kind of business questions that you may have or uh, any questions you would like to know uh, that can help you out. And uh, we'll give Dave the floor and let him bring you some successful tips about business in the COVID. Well, I wanted to, I wanted to, you know, uh, uh, pick your brain on this as well. You know, it can be interactive, but uh, bring it on, bring it on. Obviously, COVID got? has changed everything, and yep. I, I, I like to think of things from a historic perspective. You know, what what are people going to be thinking when they look back on this ten years, twenty years from now? This is uh, arguably the first uh, real global event that everybody in the world participates in, and you might think, well, you know, we had we had world wars. Of course, that was global. But, you know, much of the world was actually not not involved in that. You know yeah. what I mean? Uh, you know, when, you, when you like you could have spent time in Australia or parts of Africa and, and not know this literally touches every single island, every human being on the entire planet. Um, so this is the first shared human experience. Let, let that sink in. And that is great. I did see a news article uh, the other day. There, there's three counties, three mm-hmm. counties, not it's not even counties, three towns. In the United States, they have not been in, affected in whatsoever by COVID. Just three. Really? <laughs> I think well, that's like a like zone thing, you know, where you love, like you're love, running out of gas and you. I remember like, Loving, Texas is one of them. There's one in Loving, Texas, yep. and, and there's like Georgia, and I think there was one other one somewhere in some remote area, but that's it. It has literally, like Dave almost. said, like nah, I don't yeah. think so. Like Dave said. Everybody has been touched in effect by COVID. Yeah, like we've got uh, we've got people who are uh, business owners, uh, farmers over uh, where my wife uh, grew up, and uh, they have uh, Trinidadian workers. They come in uh, seasonally to do a lot of the picking, um, and they can't go back. And winter's coming. Uh, they can't go back because Trinidad shut down its borders. It's not letting people back in, even their own citizens, because uh, it's such a small country. They think if they start letting people back, they'll have a huge uh, outbreak. So we have these uh, migrant workers uh, in what's called bunkhouses. Now, uh, I'm in Canada, just to let people know. So it gets cold here. And these yeah. bunkhouses are not built for winter. Uh, it's it, it would be impossible. I would not be able to live in them. I think it gets below freezing temperature. It's for summer workers. And they got no place for these people like that's just one crisis in a small town over here just imagine everywhere and even if the disease doesn't uh, affect you the um the disease affects you like it affects you economically yeah. and in other ways right so Thanks. um we did a survey recently uh fair communications because we do uh, pr and marketing um and that's that's a great uh, qu- uh, uh, uh quote from karen there um 
So we do uh, surveys uh, to uh, different small business owners because I wanted to find out how it affected people's marketing. The interesting thing is I, I had a lot of difficulty getting data on uh, small business. Uh, a lot of people are wondering what's happening with Amazon. A lot of people are wondering what's happening with the rest of the economy, but we deal mostly with small business owners. And also to help kind of your viewers, I think just about everybody listening at some point is gonna be part of the gig economy. And you are a small business owner in that case. You know, it's getting to the point where everybody will be a small business owner on some level. You're selling yourself. You're even if you're doing Uber, you got to be aware of these things. So yeah. we did a survey of a, of a number of businesses, uh, uh, over a hundred. We did it through LinkedIn, and we uh, did it through you know, Google Forms. If people want to know the technology, and I the first thing I asked people is when did uh, COVID affect their business, and uh, about half was right at the beginning of the stay-at-home order. Uh, another quarter, it took till the summer to, to really affect them. And another quarter, it hasn't affected them. That was, that was the general answer. And following up on that, has it changed your business model? About three, uh, three quarters of them, it changed how they do business. And that other quarter was not affected. And further on down, we say, well, how are you affected mostly? As it turns out, about 25% of businesses, I mean, it depends on where you get this data, 20 to 25% um, are actually seeing a growth or a benefit from COVID. Now, the other really? one, like 50% are really, really suffering. Right. So the worry there is that we have a K-shaped recovery. Uh, and for people who want to know about economics, a K-shaped recovery, uh, people talk about a V recovery where like the economy dips down and then it comes back up or a W where it has a couple of spurts. Everybody wants to find a letter of the alphabet. But K actually is the big uh, dangerous one because that means that the economy dips down and when it comes up, some people go up and some people go down making a K. That is the, the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. And that's the one yeah. we don't want, obviously. We wanna have um, you know everybody, everybody better off, right? No doubt. So the worry with COVID is that we're having this K-shaped recovery. 25% of small businesses are actually saying, hey, I, I can't even keep up with demand. I'm doing pretty well. And then 50% uh, are like, you know, really suffering. But as I dug deeper, I have some good news for you. You got to say the bad news first, I guess. The good news is it doesn't seem to be the more uh, richer, wealthier, more established businesses, at least the small businesses in this case for, for what we're covering. Um, it doesn't seem to be the wealthier ones are doing better than the poorer ones. What it seems to be is the ones who are more technologically advanced. So the ones who have more of an online presence, even like really small, like there's, there's a few really small farms that uh, were, uh, were offering groceries that you can order online. All of a sudden they're like triple, you know, quadrupling their, their productivity, hiring people because wow. they can't keep up with demand because everybody, you know, they, they, they don't want to do, they don't want to wait in line for grocery shopping and go through all the things. They just want one little box and everything. So it's changing how people shop. Um, so that was the really cool thing is that there's a positive effect for a large percentage and it seems to be those that get online or or you know get their get their materials get more services online or pivot to online and that was the second thing we found that actually yeah there's a good good quote there their business is doing well uh, even though clinical studies are getting canceled they're recruiting uh we're really seeing this in a lot of areas the other positive effect was for at least at least 25% of them, of the respondents, I won't get into every single question, but at least 25%, we got a lot of positive responses from people saying that COVID actually had a beneficial effect on their business because it changed them. 
Uh, and what it did was it made them get online for the first time. So there's a lot of people who were like kind of just resisting it. They were just doing things. Look, look, look like you, Sonny yeah. Von Cleveland, man. You're getting Thanks. online. You're crushing it, man. Yeah. And, and COVID is actually helping you. Um, so uh, online interactions are up 800% from pre-COVID pre times. That means you're eight, <laughs> you're, if one person posted once to Facebook a day, they're doing it eight times a day now. Like that's insane. Hundred percent. We're not talking double. That's eight times, um, and and also interaction of of, of all media. Um, we we do a, we we run a medium co media company. So uh, if somebody's trying to get on Forbes or Inc. or trying to get on CNN or something, it's a lot easier now. You're going to get a lot more bookings than you ever did before, and that's actually <clears throat> how I pivoted my business. We saw a dip right away, just like everybody did, because budgets were cut. Um, but I was able to really communicate with our clients that even though budgets are cut because the demand has increased, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. You spend a little money on marketing now, you're going to get a whole lot more later. Um, oh, yeah. Great, great comment here that a travel company uh, obviously uh, you know, did suffer. Um, but uh, like she says, when one door closes, another door opens. Absolutely. We do have a question for you, Dave. Sure. Uh, and I'll let you answer this one uh, as I throw you up here. Vanov says, if you have a Twitch or YouTube channel, what are some good marketing ideas or what would be some good ways to extend your reach and growth? Okay. So, yeah, I've actually done a lot of uh, research in this and we've worked with a lot of very successful <clears throat> uh, channels as well. Um, up until now, I've actually been in the behind the scenes on a lot of channels. I haven't tried to really push my own channel all that much, uh, but now we're doing it with Gusto because uh, we've been working with so many other people who are very successful. So I'd say there's two main things that I want you to think about. Number one, make all your content tie into search keyword terms. This is the little known secret of a lot of the most successful people on YouTube specifically. So what I mean is um, there's, a, there's a great plugin, uh, Keywords Now, uh, and you can also get this through Google's Keyword Planner. That um, in order to access the Google Keyword Planner, you have to get a Google account um, and it, it, you basically put a credit card down, but it's, it's as if you're buying a Google AdWords, right? You don't necessarily have to buy the AdWords, but you have to start an account and then you get access to, I know, I know it's like Google owns everything, but you get access to the Keyword Planner. The Keyword Planner will tell you how many people are searching for a specific keyword term. So if I'm doing this, uh, I got a video coming up on my channel uh, when we launch this week, it's going to be um, a small business pivoting for COVID. Uh, I'll put that in and then it'll tell me what people are searching for, you know, if it's small business or home business or, you know what I mean? So I might change the word small to home or something like that to tie into what people are already searching for. The benefit of that is when people search for something on any of the uh, on any of the sites, you want them to come up and, oh yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, so he already uses keywords, but hey, maybe that tip's helpful for other people. The other thing I would say that's really, really big is, um, is collaborations. You wanna collaborate with other shows, that's why I'm on your show, absolutely. Uh, collaborations and, are huge. Yeah, you're gonna have uh, content on my show. Collaborations are <laughs> really big because they introduce you to a whole new audience. And uh, think of collaborating even outside of the online space. I personally have been on over 2,000 interviews in the media. And, and yes, you do need media savvy to do something like that. But you could, uh, you know, just open your mind a little bit, you know, get in the local paper, get on a radio show, get on, you know, all sorts of things. There's a lot of places that, that you can get exposure from. And if you're only thinking, I've got to get on YouTube, I've got to get on YouTube, you got to realize you can get an audience on LinkedIn. You can get audiences are everywhere, you know? You just have so to, many platforms. 
Yeah. So, but you, but you, you want to find your people, you know? Um, and I would right. say the third thing is don't be everything to everybody. That was a mistake I did uh, early on. It was about a, uh, last year when I was, uh, you know, working on a channel. I was just basically interviewing people for self-improvement and it was too general. Um, now these two channels that we have coming out, one is clearly for business and marketing. The other one is for uh, accelerated learning, improving your brain. So people who want one of those things will subscribe to one of them. They won't subscribe to a kind of catch-all everything, you know. Um, but you, a bit sunny, actually. I want to say a lot of people would think that this is a catch-all everything, but it's not. You are. Uh, uh, oh, there we go. <laughs> He's telling me to take <laughs> take notes. <laughs> there we go. Hey, well, we'll we're gonna follow his journey as well. You follow my journey and in, in how we grow this thing because I've seen it. Oh, no. I've seen it. I've seen it work. Um, we are but, all but, about sharing each other's stuff and, and helping each other grow because I think, yeah. you know, uh, networking is the number one key to growth. Uh, networking and, and, um, and giving value, you know, so Sonny, your, True. your hook, you might not even have thought of it as deeply. Maybe, maybe you have, we, we, we haven't talked about it too much, but, um, your hook is a uh, positive news. And, uh, we see all this negative news all the time. I would double down on that. If I was you, I would, I would tell people, what are the benefits of that? If you hear positivity every single day, you know, maybe you're less likely to be depressed. Look into some research on it. Maybe you're, you know, you're going to be more motivated. You're going to be more successful yourself, things like that. You're, you're kind of building this whole brand, but talk about the benefits that you're giving people. If they tune in every single day, I am confident that they're going to have a more successful life. They're going to have a better relationship. They're going to be happier, all that stuff. No doubt. Uh, like Sam said, this show, for example, has come so far already in such a short space of time. I think it 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 comes down to like like daily motivation. If you yeah. ingest uh, a bunch of bull stuff every day, you your chances are your outlook when you leave your home in the morning or when you go about your day is going to be negative because you've already implanted negativity into your mind. Absolutely. Uh, and, and if you you come and grab some positivity and just pick up a little bit of a couple of simple positive things around the world. It's going to start your day off in a positive mindset and you're off and running. Uh, that's why I listen to daily. It started for me because I listen to daily motivational stuff every morning. I wake up and I, I it's on my YouTube. I have a playlist. It's just all daily motivational stuff. And I wake up and as I go through my morning routine, I just have Denzel Washington and and Eric Thomas and, and Tim, Tim Robbins and all these guys just yeah. in my ear all morning. Uh, and I said, you know what, instead of ingesting these wonderful dudes in the morning, how about I give some of this wonderful stuff in the morning and I bring people from all over the world to, to show that there are so many positive and inspiring things that are still happening around the world in spite of all the negativity that we're seeing. Uh, to Because again, the way that you will navigate through uh, covid a global pandemic, uh, a war, or anything that's going on is to isolate your mind to positive and motivational things. And it's going to allow you to overcome whatever obstacles are thrown at you in your life. I know yeah, with me personally, uh, just waking up this early and having something solid to do every day helps me so much to be able to have something that I know I can wake up and do. And then it helps me get out of bed and start my day. You know, after this, now I have a morning routine that I do afterward before I go to work. And that right there has completely changed uh, how I feel about myself, how I feel about others, and just my overall look on life. I just feel so productive. By the time my morning routine is done, I'm like, wow, I've gotten a whole day done, and it's not even noon yet. 
Well, I, I think there's something magical about the morning. Yeah, there, there's something completely magical about the morning. Well, actually, you want to know? There's there's some great neuroscience behind this. Um, in the morning, we have the greatest amount of willpower that we have any any other time. So if we have something that's challenging or maybe a goal, like you want to be a writer, that's the best time to start anything new. But the the caveat to that is if you start something that kind of brings you down or drains you, you'll you'll have a crappy day. So you want yeah. to, so the goal is you want to create what's called a virtuous cycle. That is, you start in the morning um, and uh, let's say I start my workout first thing in the morning. After I do my workout, I might be tired physically and I've used up some of that willpower, but I feel like I've, man, I've, I've accomplished something. So you're, you're more motivated throughout the whole day. So you want to get these things when you have that morning time, when you are at your best, you want to have it, uh, you want to do something that's going to pull you through the rest of the day. Facts. <clears throat> like this show. Now, do you, <laughs> what, what do you, is there a correlation between having being, your mind being that receptive in the morning and sleep? What would you recommend as a good night's sleep? Because I've seen a lot of different studies on sleep. And mm -hmm. uh, the general consensus that I've come to find is five to seven hours of sleep for 20 to 60. Yeah, no, so it does seem to uh, to vary a lot uh, in the individual, um, and there is some theory to believe that uh, uh, the amount of sleep you need also has to do with how how healthy you are. So uh, we do know sleep in the brain is used to kind of clean out the brain from from um, all sorts of you know bad stuff, toxins, uh, the 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 buildup of serotonin, a bunch of stuff that that we need to kind of feel cleansed. That's why you wake up in the morning and you're more clear headed. Uh, and everything. Um, so yeah, don't, don't focus so much on how many hours you sleep. Some people need more than less. Uh, if you do find that you're sleeping more than eight hours, then you might have some health problems that are a, a big concern. Talk to your doctor because, you know, if you have things like, like we, well, we found out about comorbidities, you know, during COVID things like, you know, diabetes or hypertension or other things, uh, that can affect your sleep. Um, the other thing is, uh, you know, you want to cut out coffee by about three o'clock in the afternoon so it has time to get out of your system so you can sleep better. Um, melatonin is a good supplement. I'm actually coming up with some videos on sleep about this. Um, but, uh, but the other thing also is, is uh, you want to be able to wind down for the day. We do not do much to calm ourselves down. We get so energetic and then <clears throat> boom, we just crash and we wonder why our brains are so active you're training your brain every single day. So if you're playing a video game, you're training it to be in that video game environment. But if you're, uh, if you're um, you know, reading a book, you're training it for that. So every activity you do trains the brain to do that activity better. If you want to sleep, you have to train it to wind down. I was just going to say that because I went through a phase where I was using video games at night. Right before I went to bed, I would play video games until I was tired. And then I find that I'm playing the damn video game until two o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And I'm like, well, I'm just trying to unwind with the video game, but here I am playing call of duty, shooting people in the face <laughs> yeah. with an AR 15. Like, no wonder you can't go to sleep. I'm in the yeah. throes of war. <laughs> so well, I don't and what you're doing. What that is, that's the hormone of adrenaline. Uh, and you know, people don't realize that your brain tries to help you survive. So even if you're playing, a fake game uh, that is about survival, then then your brain is like, okay, we gotta keep this guy awake. So it's actually shooting off adrenaline, keeping you artificially awake when when you don't. 
uh, when, when you shouldn't be. And, and all of the hormones kind of, you know, play that, that role. So your brain is trying to help you most of the time. And we're, we're usually doing the worst possible <laughs> thing for it because, uh, you know, we think we're just winding down. Lately, uh, I've been uh, drinking uh, tea before bed. I found that helps relax me. I usually drink tea and I'll scroll through like a couple notifications on my phone or I'll just sort of relax and listen to music. Yeah, well, as long as there's no caffeine in the tea, that's right, good. I was gonna say tea. So, no, Vanov, 89, like he wants to know if there's okay, morning practices to help with memory. Yes, yes, Vanov's question. Yeah, so um, the morning practices to help with memory, absolutely, the morning is actually the best time to study something new. You're the freshest you're going to be. Um, I actually strongly suggest having something that is um, measurable, uh, a clear um, uh, beginning, middle, and end. What I mean by that is you don't just say, oh, I'm just going to study my courses in the morning. Uh, you, you say, well, I'm going to study for exactly 30 minutes without distractions or something like that. Or uh, I like to use flashcards. I'm famous for flashcards because it, it quantifies how much you're doing. So I'll go, I want to go through 100 flashcards first thing in the morning or something like that if I'm studying something. So just make it quantifiable because if you don't have a set number, you're going to fudge it each time. You're going to go, oh, well, I, 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 I said I'd do some studying, so I did like a minute, and that's some, right? You know, and you keep on when you have a bad day. So you got to do things that even when you have a bad day, you're still not going to cheat. So make it quantifiable, a lot like a goal. Set a goal and make put a number to it, and that'll help the best. Uh, the night owl, as well as psychiatrist, told me if I am awake all night and sleep some or most of the day away, and it, it adds to mental health problems. Yeah, yeah, there is actually a lot of correlation with sleep problems and mental health problems. In fact, there's uh, there's some people who think that uh, you know ADHD, which I was diagnosed with, uh, is a in some people is just a form of insomnia. That is, people are are in some in, insomniacs, and then they act ADHD during the day because they didn't get enough sleep. That sort of thing. A lot of teenagers are suffering from this. There's a lot of uh, studies around. Uh, kids that have to wake up super, super early for school, they do worse in school than ones that are allowed that extra hour of sleep. Um, but uh, but to, to give uh, uh, some tips, uh, the one, one person who was asking, you know, um, you know, how do you shut your brain off uh, before bed? How do you actually like wind down? Uh, it seems as though uh, if you get rid of screens, if you turn off the television, turn off your tablet, even your phone, uh, and, and don't interact with it uh, before bed, you're going to be better off. And it also seems that if you do something involving writing or reading before bed, you are better off. Uh, the activity of seeing light uh, shining on your eyes tells your brain that it's the sun is out outside. Yes, facts. Love it. Um, so artificial light is what has caused insomnia. Before, the, before Edison and Tesla, before the invention of the light bulb, we didn't have insomnia. People didn't complain about this because there was no light. You couldn't do anything but go to sleep. So your brain <laughs> cycles works really, really well. Now, uh, because we keep the lights on after the after the, the sun goes down, our brains think it's still daytime and, and thus our cycles are out of whack, right? Uh, and we have one last question for you from Vanov. All right. If you want to read that one. Uh... Do a lot of research on growth and asatru through the day. Uh, does it hurt to watch... Uh, research videos all day for memory does that actually help okay so um if you're if you're watching research videos all day i would say you know mix things up you don't want any one medium all day so i i do a lot of research and i'll have videos on in the background for research for a video for like youtube stuff all the time but um also make sure you do like a little bit of reading every single day you do a little bit of interactive stuff every day that the the multidisciplinary approach is best for your brain 
that's the 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 main you know the main point I would say is is don't stick to just any one thing. Your brain likes a variety uh, because it 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 just you know it helps. Uh, this is interesting. Indica to sleep, sativa to go on with your day. What do you think the effects of marijuana are? Well, it actually it actually depends. Um, I, marijuana it does help a lot of people go to sleep. Some people get a paranoia and it keeps them awake. So it depends on your reaction. Um, I actually like melatonin. Uh, that that works really well for me. So I would suggest people experiment a little bit. Don't do a very high dose of any of this stuff. Start off with little stuff. Uh, CBD is also another thing. See, the, the main thing that you want to avoid is anxiety. That's really the big thing. Anxiety is uh, fear or worry uh, for something that's not you know, in the room. Like, let's put it that way. So if I'm worried about paying the rent, if I'm worried about bills, and I'm worried about COVID affecting the economy, and thus my business is going to collapse, and like you go all the way down that, that rabbit hole. Um, so what you want to do is anything that can assuage that anxiety, assuage that, that fear. Uh, journaling sometimes helps getting your thoughts out before you go to bed. That, uh, that makes a big difference for me, anybody with hyperbrain. Um, and yeah, CBD, Vonov loves, loves CBD. Uh, but it really depends. Uh, CBD and pot before bed really didn't do much for me. Um, I like to have a little whiskey before bed, so judge me all you want. Uh, you know, and that works. No, right? I know. Yeah, you know, no. but, but it's, but it's very different though, but I don't have a ton. I don't get drunk every night, but I'll have like one or two drinks and, and just, you know, kind of relax, uh, you know, sipping it, you know, while I'm, while I'm spending time with the family and everything and, and yeah. relaxing and, and man, you know, even sometimes I don't need the, the melatonin. Sometimes I do. And it just puts me right up. I used to have a lot of trouble with insomnia because I was always worried about my business, especially in the early days when it was more, you know, touch and go. Now it's really obviously established. I've got a bunch of employees, all that stuff. I'm doing all right, so I'm, I'm pretty happy. But uh, sometimes I'm awake worrying about others, to be honest. <laughs> so <laughs> it never goes away. Uh, I am trying uh, to get our guest, uh, getting him in. He seems to be having a little bit of trouble with the link back there. So uh, while I work on that, I will let you guys continue to talk well, and engage. Let me give you one more tip. Uh, about the, uh, uh, so, so one of the things I want to do on the show is run ideas by your team, uh, for different videos that I got coming up. So uh, I'd love to get some feedback. So one of the videos I want to do is on hyper brain. That's when you can't shut your brain off. That does affect sleep, but it affects other things. Sometimes it affects relationships where people overthink things to a huge degree. And, yeah. uh, if you learn how to kind of shut your brain down and, and calm your brain down, you'll, you'll be better. You'll be a better husband, better wife, better you know family member, you know? That's definitely um, an issue that I've had in the past multiple times is overthinking things or thinking just like about, not even just tomorrow, but five, 10 years down the line and freaking myself out. So what do you, what do you think I should have in a video talking about? I've got a, a bunch of great strategies and everything for challenging that, but what do you, what do you think, what would you like to see in a video on that? Um, definitely some examples. So people first off understand what exactly you're talking about when they say it. like, I feel like a lot of people don't quite get what you mean by hyper brain. And, yeah, that's, uh, a, that's actually yeah. a technical term. Maybe I should just put like overthinking the problems with overthinking or something like yeah. that. that. That'd be a good, yeah. yeah, I'll look up the keywords for that. Um, the other video I have on the business side is how to pivot a business. And I've actually found a lot of these things actually apply to people who just have uh, regular Joe jobs, even if you don't have a business, uh, how to kind of pivot yourself. So one of the first tips on that 
is uh, keep your um, figure out what your value is. So even if you yeah. lost your job or or got downsized, or if your business is really suffering, ask yourself what did I actually, what am I actually contributing to the economy? What am I actually giving? Not what I enjoy or what I think I'm giving or something, you know, things like that. So um, a, a great example actually I use in the video is, uh, is American Express. American Express used to be like the Pony Express or UPS. That's, they were literally a shipping company. Uh, think, think back with the Pony Express, you know, horses delivering letters. They only got into financial services because the post office started doing money orders. But what happened was people trusted their money with uh, American Express more than they did with the post office. So they became the most trusted place to put your money. And that led to the financial services. They got into uh, traveler's checks. And then it was only in the 1980s they actually got into financial services. So we think of American Express like it's a credit card company, but it started off as a pony company, right? So. Yeah. That, so they pivoted, but they, they didn't pivot to what they thought was the right thing to do all the time. They pivoted to what people said. They were like, hey, I, I want to send money to California and I trust American Express to do it. Okay, okay we're in the money delivery business. And now <laughs> that leads to traveler's checks. Okay, now we're in the credit card business. So they're doing what their customers want, not what they want. And I think that's a really good lesson for all of us during COVID is, is what value you gave before COVID, even if you've been downsized, whatever you're, if you're good with your hands, if you're in construction and you lost some construction jobs, the fact is being good with your hands, you might find other work elsewhere. I know uh, somebody who was let go from construction, but they are now working with um, a uh, real estate developer to, to kind of fix up uh, houses for renters because there's a, there's a very large rental market now. It's kind of booming. So you look at where the economy is going, what's booming, and then you just apply your skills over there, you know, instead of uh, just kind of, oh, I do this and this is all I do and, and you know, kind of being rigid. Well, I don't know what is happening uh, with our guest today. He's having difficulties getting on the show uh, and clicking on the link, and I don't know. So I've been trying to bring him in over here. I really wanted to talk to this guy. Uh, his name's Emilio Roman. Uh, he is he has a, the Spiritual Health Academy uh, that that he is, has founded. Him and his wife, I believe. Uh, and I know that he's watching right now, and I'm trying to get him this link to, to bring him in, but apparently it's not working. Dave, when you click into the show, what do you, you just click the link, right? Yeah, um, I had to change my settings to choose the camera and the microphone that I, that I like. Um, I would say if he's having trouble, use, uh, use the Chrome browser uh, because Firefox can be a little uh, difficult. Yeah. Safari can be a little difficult. Use Chrome. Google is so like, did you just stuff. did you just paste the link into the, your your Chrome browser? I That's had it set up as the default thing, but yeah, yeah, paste it <clears> into the Chrome browser if he doesn't have it, and and that'll that'll work better. If he's using uh, like an older uh, Internet Explorer, he might have have troubles too. Uh, we'll let him know. I'm enjoying some of the comments. I like. Yeah, you know, yeah I've seen yeah, a whole lot of amazing. You guys are That's keeping the stuff. show going. That's pretty dope. I never use a wristwatch or even a cell phone. It distracts me too much from real life. Really. Uh, construction huh. is so stressful, but I love it. Maybe that's why I have lack of sleep. I oh, want yeah. to so Sam wants to stay in travel tourism. I remember, remember reading about that, but she's working on her creative side. So, uh, I I'm curious what kind of creative side, uh, you're working on. So we do travel tourism obviously took the biggest hit of anything. Um, but a lot of people say it's going to be back with, uh, with, uh, with a vengeance because, uh, you know, after COVID's over, 
it's it's people are going to want to travel more than ever yeah. so um maybe now is a good time to also look around to travel uh companies or wherever you want to work and uh try to schmooze with them because they are all out of work they're all sitting at home twiddling their thumbs now's a great time to network with them so that when travel tourism comes back in a big way you could maybe be in charge you know um we're talking i i think you know conceivably you know six months from now after we get some sort of vaccine or, or good therapeutic we could we could have uh some of the travel restrictions lifted once that happens omg guys like summer of next year the number of people who are going to be traveling i'm not going to be able to get anybody on the phone like they're going to be gone you know <laughs> it's going to okay. be crazy all right, we have finally made it. Uh, Dave, you're more than welcome to stick around. I'd love to hear love you uh, pick our guy's brain and see what we got. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, please welcome from the New Jersey area, uh, author and speaker and spiritual fitness coach, Emilio Roman. Hey, guys. Hey, God bless you, man. Everyone, thank you so much. Hey, listen, Good morning. Good morning, Emilio. Good morning. Thank you so much. I had a little challenge getting on the broadcast. But I'm so grateful, and I caught uh, some of the segments. Thank you all for sharing. Absolutely. So glad to have you here, Roman. Uh, why don't you introduce yourselves to our viewers and tell us uh, exactly what spiritual fitness is all about and what you do. Go ahead. Thank you very much, guys. I can, hopefully you, everybody can hear me okay. Uh, I'm, yep. I'm, live, I'm live from the Jeep today. <laughs> so uh, this is where I'm at here in New Jersey. Uh, in, in short... Uh, I'm a United States uh, Marine Corps veteran uh, who's been diagnosed with uh, PTSD, and I caught uh, some of that someone was talking about earlier. So I've been diagnosed with PTSD and bipolar, and it's really been through the grace of God and the help of many of uh, therapists talking and sharing it with, with family and friends. I believe that we don't heal in secret. It really does take a village uh, to help us grow. And uh, Sonny, you and I had a uh, a short conversation yesterday, and we got to find out that we're kindred spirits. Indeed. Uh, indeed. So uh, in short, I've been able to take my pain and find out where it came from and realize that a lot of stuff that was going on in my head were not dreams because I had suppressed uh, a lot of stuff. And um, I'm sure I'll, I'll share with you as you ask. But in short, I've been able to take my struggles, right, and find out that today they're on my strength. And we went ahead and put connected with other people and find out that uh, we're really not all that much different in the world that tells us we are. No doubt. <laughs> and labels us bipolar, PTSD, and really pivots us against family and friends. And uh, I'm just so grateful for um, a platform like this, uh, which we at the Academy, to answer your question in full, uh, spiritual fitness for me is fitness with a spiritual center, right? Most of us talk about there's so many things hmm. out there like fitness, and we know the importance of that. But I really believe that the fitness component is really the most important thing. Uh, fitness, talk, people talk about balance. I really think that it's a misnomer. I don't really think there is that balance. We try to find it, but I believe that you, the fitness part, coming from a background of bodybuilding, I, I bodybuilded in Japan many moons ago, and we were always focused on the, that physical side. You know, but anyway, in short, fitness. That's great. That's absolutely amazing. I, I want to highlight something for you guys because meeting Emilio, I just met him last week, uh, and it's been something kind of amazing. I, I showed Gavin this before the show, but I haven't shown Dave yet or anybody else. Uh, one of my best friends 
from early on in my life, uh, post the first prison bit, uh, we called him Taco. His name was Bill McKeechee. Uh, and he passed away uh, about uh, probably almost two years ago. And he was one of my best friends. Uh, and then when I seen uh, Emilio here, you guys are going to let's look at this. L let me just show you. This is Taco. Wow. Right. Wow. <laughs> right. Here's Emilio in the same hat. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good hat. Let's, let's be honest. It's a good hat. Uh, and it, the vibe was just instant when I met Emilio. I feel such uh, a positive vibe coming from this man that I had to have him come on here uh, and tell us about what he does. Now, you're an author and a speaker, correct? Yes, yes. It's, it's been a difficult climate to do that in, but yes. Yeah. Coming to fitness, what's Emilio's thoughts on yoga? I know a few of us are either use or are about to use DDP yoga. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm not sure what DDP yoga is, but I know yoga as a whole. Uh, it's great for the back. I've always had people tell me, you got to do yoga. And my wife is a big fan of yoga. Um, I love the mantras that I, you know, the old, like the yogi thing I see, like, um, and all that. It, it's it's very therapeutic is what I've seen. Here's another a little known fact about me. Uh, I was a yoga instructor in prison. I really? actually studied wow. yoga for a long time, uh, and I would have 25 to 30 hardened seasoned criminals out on the yard in downward facing dog, <laughs> <laughs> doing the warrior pose out on the yard. Uh, and it was, uh, it was pretty. Prison yoga with Sonny Von Cleveland. Oh, you got it? A diamond no, no. <clears throat> diamond Dallas page. It's a, it's a brand of yoga. Seems to be really good for uh, people in sports. Yeah, so I guess Diamond Dallas Page, uh, the wrestler. I don't know if you know much about wrestling, but Diamond Dallas Page was a big wrestler. Uh, and now I, apparently he has uh, a yoga program. I, I do yoga every morning uh, for uh, chronic pain. I suffered from chronic pain for years, and I created a, a stretching program. big part of that's yoga. And every morning, and if you limber up every morning, you have a better day. Uh, I, I overcame my chronic pain. It's a big part of it. I got to uh, add that to the list. People have heard me talk about the Superman pose, and I've seen something from Tony Robbins about it. Now, the Superman pose is when you put your hands on your hips mm. like Superman. And if you do that two minutes a day, apparently it releases some type of endorphin. Uh, in your, that, right? Good. You can feel it when you do this. When you do that. Yeah. And they say if you hold it for two minutes, yeah. uh, that it, it will inspire your day. Uh, Emilio, tell us uh, a little bit about your, your speaking, um, and your authoring. You've written some books and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And, and I, I'll, I'll segue into that. If you don't mind talking quickly about that, that, that's uh, Tony Robbins. I, I had an opportunity. Can I, can I talk on that real quick? Absolutely. Floor is yours. Yeah. Thank you, brother. So I know that holds, you know, I, I teach that too with my students in the Academy and holding this here. It's said to increase the, uh, what you mentioned, testosterone levels for men as That's well. That's what it is, testosterone. Yeah, right. and it's testosterone, just just that posture alone, because as you know, if you know exactly what's going on, every single one of you, they're beautiful guests. If I go like this, my head is down, What what's going on? You, you can tell, right? Right. And if, if I'm like this, you can tell I'm happy, I'm depressed. And so that's kind of the whole idea behind the posture. And, and so, Sonny, mm -hmm. 
when I talk, you know, when I was, when the gates were open and we were free to roam around the country, if you will, uh, I would love talking with kids, um, just especially given the childhood that I went through. And you and I share that about our family history. Um, that I, I just love traveling and talking about fitness because I really believe, and it seems like everyone on the panel uh, understands that fitness makes you a better husband. It makes you a better person. It makes you a better uh, business person. So when I want to see if I'm doing business with someone, have, has anyone ever heard of the waiter rule? Anyone here heard of the waiter rule? Uh-uh. I have it, not. It's, no, I, okay. It's pretty simple, and, and I'm sure you have once I share it with you. It's most people, if you want to go and do a partnership with someone, you take them out for, you take them out to lunch or breakfast, right? And as you're having the meal, you see how they're interacting with the waiter. If all mm. of a sudden, before I'm talking with you and the waiter just happens to, let's just say, screw up the, the order. And they're like, man, can you believe that freaking waiter? Can you believe that guy? That individual is telling you a lot more about him than he is about the waiter. They call yeah. that the waiter rule. I, I also used to say that if you're uh, for, for women, if you're trying to figure out who you're dating, you know, go go to some, see how they treat other people and also see how they act when they're drunk. Those two things Ooh, will tell you a lot more about somebody than anything uh, you know, if you're I an did, angry drunk, walk away. You know, I, I did yeah. read in psychology somewhere once, uh, and and uh, the myriad books that I've read. Uh, if you want to see a person's true character, watch how they interact with other people. Yep. Yeah. Because when they're trying to talk to you, when you when 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 an individual is one on one with you, they're giving you what they think you want to see. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they're giving you their best. Uh, persona if you will they're to you so that you'll enjoy them uh, but their mind is not geared toward that toward the other people that are around them wow. so if you displace yourself at first from yeah. the scenario and just let them interact with other people you'll learn so much more about them well it's also one thing i always keep in mind is that um like if so if i'm out with somebody and they treat a waiting staff or whoever poorly then I lose a lot of respect for that person because I know if I was in the same position, they would treat me that way. Facts. Well, but also it's, it's social status too. So uh, yeah. uh, one of the traits of narcissism is a feeling that you're superior to other people and a, a deep-seated need to to show that to people. So if you're at, if you're at a table, obviously the waiter is in like you know you're the you're the boss. The waiter is your subordinate. If you treat them badly, somebody who's a narcissistic will do that on purpose to prove to you. That oh I'm better than this waiter see because I'm this and that and and they'll almost like you know overcompensating but that's that's really a sign of that sort of you know uh, that that sort of uh, you know personality traits. Yeah. Thanks. Hey man, if, if you don't mind me sharing to add to conversation, this is absolutely. It's like now whether Plato said this or not, I don't know. I wasn't around, but it's been attributed to Plato. You learn more about a person in one hour of play than a lifetime of conversation. And that's exactly what we're talking about. So if you want to find out someone's character, have them play a pickup game of, you know, basketball, if that's your thing, or take them on a golf around, or, you know, golfing. And you're mm. going to learn so much. Are they a sore loser? Are they a good yeah. So you're going to learn a lot about uh, someone. And, and that's what I've applied when I've been successful with people and with partnerships. That's what I do. Like, it, that's kind of my screening process, mm. you know. Let me ask you this question. You you uh, you are a veteran. Yes. Uh, and you Thank have you for your service. Thank you very much for your Thank service. You for acknowledging uh, 
and yeah. you are you are disabled now were you injured in service right so my my injuries i i have back injuries from uh, a 10 foot wall we were doing uh, uh training exercises and i got injured uh but they didn't really grant me uh my service um disability for that they granted it to me for uh hearing loss that's why i talk loud so i apologize <laughs> no you're good because if I don't think you can hear me. <laughs> I have that same problem down here. Trust me. Sometimes <laughs> I've had comments, Sonny, stop screaming. And I'm like, God, ah. So they told me that you were in, uh, that you did serve. And I started thinking, myself, I was like, oh, I wonder what branch he was in. And as soon as you got on a thing, you started yelling. I'm like, oh, he's a Marine. Now, my question uh, was the PTSD that you, yeah. Do you have you used medication to overcome PTSD? And do what are your thoughts on the necessity of medication long term uh, to overcome psychological uh, disorders? Yeah, thank you very much for, for that. And, and I'm I'm always transparent, and I love when I get to share like this in a platform that I believe my story will help someone. So thank you for what you're doing because this is important. Now, my PTSD, and so those of you who have family and friends that are service people. Uh, you, you'll, you'll, you'll understand this. I, because of my childhood, I had, um, you know, I was molested as a kid. And so that childhood trauma that I buried, I never thought it was real. I thought um, it was uh, just the nightmares that I was having. Well, when you joined the service and you had that kind of childhood traumatic, if there's something in the military that brings that forth. Uh, so, for example, when we were in boot camp, uh, they had us get naked and they had us run in the showers uh, naked and, and look at each other. There was no need for that. I, I right. thought that was some POW training BS, but I, that wasn't that, that wasn't necessary to do. That created some uneasiness, some unfeeling with me, and it brought back a whole host of memories. So that created that trauma. So there was a link between I started having problems in the military with authority. I was doing my job. I did some great things. I'm, I'm proud to have served. But those little things like that, something like trivial to somebody like, oh, what do you mean? Uh, you get naked in the showers. But to have people look at each other, stare down at each other, run through hot and cold showers, it wasn't a necessity for us to do that. I wasn't in any special yeah. forces, anything like that. <laughs> you know? Right. So that created uh, problems for me with authority, if you can, if you can imagine that. Right? Absolutely. I was with men. I already had issues with men telling me what to do. Now that yeah. that escalated it. And then when I got out, Sonny, and all of you here on the panel, uh, just something warped in my head and and I started to have the drinking and drugging. That was like many of us, that's what numbed it for me, right? It was it was that quick fix. Uh, and then so I, when I got out of service, other things have happened. Then I got punished because then I had took my rifle and, and did some other stuff which I shouldn't have had. I started breaking rules, you know? So I, I would get awards for doing A, B, and C, and then I would do one stupid thing, which would negate all that good stuff. Has anybody been there? Yeah, let me let me, let me, let me just expound on that just a little bit. Um, and, and Dave or, or Gavin, feel free to chime in on this. Yeah. Do, you, do you correlate that, Dave especially, do you, do you correlate that type of behavior? Because I noticed myself doing that as well. Is, is that a side effect of PTSD? Because subconsciously, you wanted that authority back. 
Mm. You you so you you would go out and do something wrong. Like you said, you would get award or award award and do something stupid, right? Because yeah. there's a necessity to feel that that authority over you is still there. Mm. Yeah, well, I'm not sure the the correlation to PTSD. I don't want to uh, um, make a connection if I if I don't you know see all the studies on it. But there is definitely um, a well known psychological concept of like we will do whatever we feel our identity tells us we are. So we will we will always live up or live down to whoever, whoever we think we are. So if we have like low self-esteem or something and someone starts, you know, we start winning awards and we start doing really well, we'll actually do things to sabotage that because we don't think we're good enough. And, and it's, it's very subconscious. It's actually very tough to stop. You can be aware of it and still do it. It's very, very tough to get that out of your head. Uh, uh, there's all sorts of theories on how to get it out from therapy to mantras and i'm sure emilio has some great ideas but yeah you'll you'll live up or live down to whatever you think you are and that's why it's really important for you to to guard the the palace of your brain guard the thoughts that go in there because you're gonna you're gonna act out whatever you think you are i know uh personally um one of the things that i especially through my early and mid teenage years i've gotten a lot better with it now but even now and again it happens um this addiction to pain and not, mm. not like a physical pain. Like I was never, I never got into self-harm as far as uh, cutting or um, suffocation or anything like that goes. I really found a twisted comfort in psychological pain where I would just lay down in bed and just think up these crazy scenarios of people who didn't like me or things I didn't like about myself. And I let mm. that bleed out into, um, into my regular daily life for days. Anytime I see my reflection, I would purposely just pick out little things that I didn't like myself, either internally or um, externally. And like I'd ruin relationships over it. Yep. Like I'd have something really good going on. And then I would just nitpick things and think of why I'm a horrible person in the relationship or why they're terrible and I deserve it. And I would just sort of corrode myself from the inside. And for whatever reason, there was almost a euphoric feeling to it. Something about that pain just made me feel yeah. alive at the same time. For for me, uh, and I've said this before, uh, being as the victim uh, of sexual molestation as a child, the men that victimized me were a couple of my mother's boyfriends, my uncle, and uh, a family friend. So these were men that were in an authoritative figure in my life uh, mm -hmm. that abused me. And when I started to get into trouble and the, the arresting came, going to see the judges and the lawyers, these became men in my life that cared about me enough to discipline me and not want to abuse me. So yeah. I have identified that in my past, the reason for me getting into so much trouble was because I craved that male attention uh, from an authoritative father figure that did not want to hurt me. Mm. Yeah. And, and, and so I think that's where I came from. Emilio, back to you, buddy. Go ahead. Yeah. So no, thank you, man. For Again, I, I, I appreciate, and I, I talk about gratitude for your openness and everyone here sharing um in terms of the medication right so uh, you know one thing stacked up against other things and the memories of it's for another conversation but um part of what the, the being molested and then i have resentment towards my mom because uh I, I really never shared this publicly but i trust what shows up so i'm just going to go with it go you know, with it yeah thank you yep. brother this is what we're here for thank you my um my mom when we were kids uh, set our house on fire. So I've never really shared this publicly. And my sisters and I, again, another thing that we thought was uh, a memory 
my sisters, went, when it started coming back to me, but I remember now clearly I was in third grade when it happened. My mom put us all in the room and she, I remember her having a cigarette and I remember her putting alcohol, uh, like rubbing alcohol, putting it all over the clothes and then taking the cigarette, you know, flinging it and putting us all together, hutting my two sisters and me, right? Oh my getting God. Getting talking about it. I, wow, yeah, that just gave me goosebumps. I, I thought, like, I would love to come up here and say, hey, I, I was this hero, right? I saw when I she did that because I was the oldest and I was in third grade. I remember just breaking free of her and opening the door, running out, and my sister is following me, right? Yeah, but getting out of there. Oh, I my remember God. That, and I think that's how how I, old were you? What's that? How old were you? I was in eighth grade. So, I mean, I'm sorry, I was oh. in third grade. So, third grade. Eight. Wow. Yeah. So, I remember, wow. I remember just. Opening the door, running out, and then uh, I remember uh, firemen and fire truck, and and the sad thing is I, I mean that is that was sad, but I remember the next day my school was across the street. I somehow ended up in school that day, and I remember seeing the firemen from the class that I had throw down my Converse sneakers, like just you know they clean. I was like I had these oh, memories, these memories that I thought this was like buried because it was so traumatic that my yeah. sisters I when I spoke with them about five years ago they both denied it happened this is how psychological and, and how the mind works that it was so traumatic because we ended up on public assistance and, and my mom had her alcohol challenges right well, you're so the we, oldest as well aren't you right correct yeah. so they, yeah. they, they, they might not have actually remembered if they were that young because uh, usually memory cuts off at like six years old mm -hmm. but there must be like a paper trail you could show them you know, like there's must be if a house burns down, there's proof on the public record. You could show yeah. them like a, something like that, right? Yeah, no, you're right. And so that, thank you for reminding me. I we I was gonna go into that, uh, but then I didn't know if, if it was worth bringing that pain up because there's so much other stuff. I didn't know if it was even worth bringing that up. Uh, of course but it, it was is. That Absolutely. I, I, I had to go deal with. No, we got to bring it up. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, and then that goes also to memory memory repression that we've talked mm -hmm. about before with Dave. I think some people will instinctively just block such traumatic experiences out. Page Monster said something that is really interesting to me. Part of me definitely thinks I don't deserve good things. I was overprotected and not encouraged enough by parents. Do you, and this is for Emilio and Dave, do you guys think that... There's a fine line when it comes to parenting. Like he said, overprotection and not encouraging enough. Is that just as traumatizing to a young mind as as encouragement, over-encouragement and under-protection? Uh, well, Gavin, you want, you want to try taking it first? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I think when it comes to, and I am not a parent, um, I've, dated people who have children that's the closest i have and i have a lot of siblings but uh, my parents you, had me when they were thank you yeah i love kids um i uh my parents were 17 and 19 when they had me very very young um i am 20 so that is very scary to think of having my own biological child especially when i turned 17 i thought oh my god my mother had me at this age i'm definitely not ready right. uh yeah mm -hmm. but one thing that i have learned from uh, having uh, little siblings, both biological and um, adopted, is that there is no real perfect thing when it comes to parenting. Everybody uh, 
grows up and processes things differently. My little brother, uh, Aiden, he and I are the only two siblings. We're the only siblings I have that we share the exact same parents. Every other sibling I have is either um, a half or a step or something of the sort. But he's the only one that I have that we both have the same mother and father. And because of that, we're about two years apart. Um, we grew up in the exact same environment and we have both split off into very different ways. There's a lot of things that uh, my mother did that he hates and resents. And there's a lot of things that my father did that I hate and resent. And we both grown and sparked in these different ways. And one thing that I've come to realize is that it's all about being extremists that will taint a person's life. Um, my birth mother, her parents, one was extremely lenient on everything and did very little parenting as far as punishments goes and was very supportive of everything they did. And the other one was very, very, very strict on everything. She has uh, three siblings. Uh, both her brothers have passed away, sadly, to overdose. And then she, her sister is still alive. She has several kids. She's doing well overall. Um, but it just goes to show that all four of these people lived extremely different lives because they had two extremely different parents. Because of that, my mother sort of became the anomaly. She was the youngest of the four, uh, became the anomaly. She's very level-headed for the most part. And I've sort of taken after her where... Anytime that I can't handle something, I will go to her and she'll sort of rec recuperate me and calm me down and say, hey, this is a bad situation, but calm down. It'll be okay and move on. She doesn't over, she's not overbearing as far as what I'm allowed to do, but she also lets me hurt myself. And I think that's something that parents need to do. You have to let your kids scrape their knees. You have to let them get sick. You have to let them make mistakes and you shouldn't over scold them. You should let them know, hey, that was stupid or hey don't do that again, but it's okay. Mm. You'll be all right. You, you know, Gavin, actually there's some, the, the, when you were saying that it kind of brought up a lot of things that I've, I've read about, you know, theory of parenting, but I'm also a parent myself. Um, yeah. everybody's saying their age, I'm, I'm 45 now. I hope I don't look it, but, uh, no. <laughs> I, 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 I had my first child when I was uh, 40. So I was, uh, you know, kind of later in life, but I wanted to be financially stable and all these other things before I had a family. And, and yeah. in some ways, I actually regret waiting so long, to be honest, because uh, I'd like to have two. But um, the, the theory seems to be that uh, you do have to have restrictions. You do have to have boundaries for your kids because there is an age and stage, most of adolescence and into teenagehood, where uh, is teenagehood a word? Uh, where uh, yeah. they're, they're going to be challenging the boundaries. They're going to be testing boundaries. And, yeah. and it's kind of like that, that balance between yet they have to have respect for you, but also love for you. Right. So if you have too many boundaries and you're too strict, you know, like, like if you, like there's parents out there who like everything the child wears, everything the child says, everything the child does, you, you have to follow the rules of the household. And that is uh, strict to the point where it'll get resentment. But if you have clear boundaries, yeah. uh, if you have no boundaries whatsoever, that'll breed resentment too. It seems that you have to have clear rules and then clear punishments and follow-ups for that. Don't be hypocritical. Don't punish them for something that you wouldn't, you would get away with that sort of thing. Um, but, but also more to your point, uh, freedom seems to work really well. Uh, it's, it's, uh, that sort of free range parenting. There've been a lot of times where the, the state, this is a bunch of stories before COVID, but, uh, the state, you know, actually, um, um, got parents in trouble because they let their kids, you know, be out playing in a park or in a yard around the corner or something like that. And they were like eight and 10 and the police thought that was too 
too young and, and actually got the parents in trouble, turns out the studies are actually pretty clear that the younger you give kids freedom to do their own thing, the stronger mentally they're going to be, the more resilient, yeah. the less anxious, all these sorts of things. In Japan, it's actually very well known that kids as young as like you know, 12 and 11 are taking the, the, the train and traveling all across the country and things like wow. that to go to school. And, and so... Um, the more freedom you can give them, the better. I know it's really, really tough as a parent to do that, to let your kid kind of go out yeah. and do that. Um, and actually, I'll, 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 share, I'll share one story with my son. Uh, his name's Lex. Um, he uh, reached over the toaster oven when it was on, and he burnt himself all like long his arm. It was really, really bad. I uh, went to the doctors and I had treated and had to. I had to like change the bandage every day for like a good month. Um, but here's the thing. You might think that we would freak out anytime he goes near the stove or near the toaster oven or something. But we strongly believe in kind of that libertarian, like you're, you're better off if you're free ideal. And yeah. so when he gets close to something hot, we say, hey, do you remember when you burnt yourself in the toaster oven? Do you, do you want to be close <laughs> to the stove right now? And we just say, hey, do you remember that? You, you can yeah. touch it. You can burn yourself again and learn the lesson again. But I'm just reminding yeah. you. And it, it's so hard to not, to not just grab his hand and pull it away from something. Right. It's so right. you got to resist that urge because he's got to know that because there's going to be a day where you're not around folks. You know, there's going to be a day Jen when you're gone and they got to be able to adult, you know? Yeah. Jen and I have that dynamic as well. I'm all about letting Roman run into the wall. She tries to stop. Him. <laughs> uh, Amelia, what are where the walls are. I'll do that. <laughs> Amelia, what are your thoughts on that? Hey man, hey, hey, both uh, all of you here have helped me and given me some insight. So thank you. Uh, my my thoughts are pretty much on, on aligned with creating the boundaries. So you shared about boundaries. Now, remember, given my history, I have a son who's incarcerated. Okay, and so he's incarcerated since he was a teenager. Because of my history, because my um, I wasn't with uh, my son's mom. Can you guys still hear me? I don't even know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm here, man. Yeah. I, I, Loud I and clear. I've got thunder, but I'll be on where I'm at. Yeah, you're good. Thank you, brother. So um, given my, my history of, um, uh, I had my son, I was 21, and not that it was a mistake, but it's just we weren't prepared already. So I, I was an absentee father. And so my my son grew up being over, we, we try to protect them as best as I could. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah so I, um, you know, I, I, I was involved at an early age with, I was selling drugs when I was seven years old. I didn't know I was doing that because my uncles had me doing that. And I didn't, I, I told you about that history. So I found myself not wanting my son, even though I wasn't the father that was there with him. I, I did things and, and he was, I felt comfortable because his, his grandfather was a preacher. And so he grew up in, in this environment where people were, were very protective. So mm -hmm. I, I always, I poured as much as I could uh, you know, financially, I did what I could and everyone did whatever we could to protect them. But I think it got to a point where it was too much to answer your question. Yeah, it was enabling. We yeah. yeah, we yeah. sheltered him to the point he he went to school. Now, you appreciate this. He went to school where his mother was uh, the assistant to the principal. Imagine Ooh, that. So when Jeff, awkward. <laughs> so when Jeff got in trouble, everyone liked little cute Jeff. So at third grade, he took his belt off and was beating a kid up. And guess what happened? Not much happened to him, right? Because yeah. how do you do? So we sheltered him to that point where, like, he just, there's between right and wrong. Don't know. I don't think he knew what the hell it was. So he started doing this. And one thing led to another. Uh, 
I grew up, he's, he's, he's of Puerto Rican descent, so is his mom. And we were both growing up in the, the Camden area, which is more of an environment, a more ethnic environment, right? You follow me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. He went to uh, considered a, a white school, right? He went to, yeah, yeah. Uh, you yeah. know, to suburban school. We thought that that was the answer. Well, he wind up having that image. You mentioned earlier about the identity. He yep. thought because he's Latino, he had to be this, this this tough Latino guy from the hood, and he ended up selling marijuana to the kids um, in uh, whatever, in eighth grade, ninth grade, tenth grade, and he got caught eventually yeah. because he he's skinny kid. He, he admitted that to me. He, he admitted that he had these self-esteem issues. And so these little things, you know, these pockets of things got him into the point where now you know, he kept crossing the line, pushing the border, and we try to protect him from yeah. things. And he eventually, uh, he's paying the ultimate price. He's in jail now. And yeah, I'm, I'm thinking that we need to bring uh, Emilio's wife, Daniela, on for a show, man. Seems like she has a pretty interesting story herself. And yes, uh, Daniela, my son's name is Roman. <laughs> Indeed, you, you know, uh, yeah. based on the comments, I want to do a video now on overprotective parenting. I'm seeing a lot of comments on people yeah. who, uh, right. you know, so, so kids learn uh, probably more from our example than even our words ever will do. So if you're overprotective, what you're saying is that you're scared, right? You're scared for the child. And then they think, oh, there's something to be scared about. My parent who know, knows everything, I'm bi- biologically programmed, at least very young in life, to think the parents know everything. And by a teenager, I have biologically programmed to think they know nothing. That's the way it goes. <laughs> but right. uh, they're they're scared. So I got to be scared too. So you're training their brain to be scared all the time. So yeah, overprotectiveness can definitely lead to anxiety. Th- there's some interesting research on playgrounds. You know, this whole uh, world where lawyers have basically made playgrounds like the most safe uh, plastic place in the world. As it turns out, that is hurting child's brains. Uh, children need to take risk. And when you make, there's actually a, a principle, I forget the name of it, but the principle is basically that when you make a playground too safe, the kids start something? doing it. They do it wrong. Like, I mean, like you, know, you know the slides that, that became tubes so people couldn't yeah. like jump out of the slides halfway through? The kids would jump on top of the tubes and try to slide down because <laughs> when you make it too safe, they oh. seek risk, right? right. Yeah. So, so that you have to give them risk or they're going to find it in a very negative way. And, and you know, you might think you're, you're doing the best thing, but you got to let them, uh, you got to let them bleed. I mean, that's, well, that's the do. real downside of it. You got to let them hurt and bleed and, and everything. Cause that that's, cause in the wild, we're, we're all animals. That's what we do as animals. We bleed. We, we, that's what we learn that, that trains your brain. And I think- what we would do with those slides is um we would clog them. We'd have one person get at the bottom of those two yeah. slides push their legs up against and their back up against it. And we'd see how many kids we could stuff <laughs> in this slide. <laughs> badass kids, man. Uh, but I think the, the topic resonates so well with viewers uh, because I mean, most of us are parents. We do have some teachers uh, that are watching right now that, that teach other children. Uh, and there's, there's no, there's no manual on, on, on life. There's no manual on being yeah. a parent. Uh, so I think uh, let's get and get it together. Let's get and get it together. Uh, <laughs> I like the dragon behind you. I, I love the dragon. <laughs> I think uh, I think it's important to uh, to dialogue frequently about parenting uh, so that we can all do yeah. this together. Uh, and, and and everybody can pick up these tips and techniques on how to do this. And there's no I, perfect manual for parenting either. Right. 
No. I do. I do want to switch the topic uh, a little bit on Emilio. I know that spirituality is a big part of of your your platform. And Gavin, get it together. There we go. <laughs> get it together, Gavin. Come on. All right. uh, um, I know that spirituality is a big mm-hmm. part of your platform. Uh, and my question is this: with with the way that that we learn today uh, about science and spirituality. What do you think the effect, because some people take religion to an extreme, mm-hmm. uh, especially when it comes to like Southern Baptist Christians uh, right. or more uh, hard-lined Muslims. Uh, they, like they, even some Jewish cultures and some Catholics uh, take it to a, a, a serious extreme to where it, it's, a part of everyday, like it, it's so ingratiated. What do you think the implications mentally are on children and religion? And I'm not speaking specifically to any religion. I'm speaking mm-hmm. as religion as, as a whole. What do you think the importance of and the implications are mentally mm-hmm. uh, on spirituality and in, in, in life? I'll yeah. give Emilio the floor first. Yeah, thank you. That, um, obviously, a great question. And to me, I'm giving you what I live and what I've experienced and what I see. People, we've all heard of recovery, right? Recovering from drugs and alcohol. We've all heard of that. Well, there are people that are recovering from religion. Have you ever heard of that? No. Yeah, there's people. Yeah, I have. Groups. Do you have? There's actually yeah. people who are recovering from, from religion. So that's why it is a great question. Um, you got, for example, you've got someone who's a pastor, right? You got And you got children. Let's just say... Um, my mother, my father, I, I grew up in a Pentecostal, like you said, the extreme fundamentalist, right? I grew up in that environment. You follow me so far? Indeed. Right? So now my whole family, my whole community, everything growing up, my schooling, everything is based around this belief and the fundamentalist with this, you know, Christian God. You know, the Bible is literal. On Sundays, you must do A, B, and C. And so <clears throat> whole life, you're growing up that way. Mm-hmm. And what happens is, what happens when now that family unit breaks up, right? When family unit breaks up, your whole money is tied around everything. And so there's people that are actually recovering from religion because now their whole life, if they decided they no longer believe in their, their mother and father's God, they want to do spirituality. They want to connect with others. They, they realize that their God is not their mom and dad's God. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, that can tear your world apart. Just like if you were an addict, um, your your whole world is upside down. Facts. Dave, what do you well, think on that? Well, I believe I read somewhere that uh, um, spiritual non-religious is the largest and fastest growing religious segment, at least when it comes to uh, voters and surveys uh, in America. And I think there's, there's a large reje- rejection of um, organ- what we call organized religion. Um, but I, I, my big concern is that people throw the baby out with the bathwater, so to speak. Um, you know, I went through that, that spiritual path myself and there's a lot of great value to spirituality. There's a lot of great value to religion. Um, but when you, when you take it too far, it's, uh, it can be destructive and it's like, it's like anything, you know, that it's like alcohol or something. You can have some, a good time with some friends, but if you take it too far and it's 
you know, hurt, hurting your, your, uh, your faith or your, your life, then it, then it can hurt. Um, I think there's a great value in faith though. I actually have a theory that, that, uh, faith is the evolutionary. You know, if you have two people, one who can have faith, uh, in success and moving forward, another person who has, who is just only believes in evidence. Um, the irony is that the data actually shows the person who has the ability to have faith, it, it makes more money in life, can be more successful. There are a lot of times in life where we have to be able to jump into the darkness and just go on faith. And we have no evidence that we're going to succeed. But the person who is willing to take that jump is going to be better off in life. Think of education, think of starting a business, all these things. So I guess what I'm trying to bring it down to is something very real world. People talk about spirituality and they think it's only has to do with the afterlife, but I think it has to do with right here and right now. It has to do with your ability to uh, believe in something that you can't necessarily see or even have faith in humanity or in, you know, you can have faith in the scientific process even, but have faith in something beyond you can make you bigger in my opinion. No doubt. Gavin, do you have any thoughts on religion and spirituality? Uh, personally, I am an atheist. The way that I uh, see everything, though, is I believe you should believe whatever you want to, as long as you are not physically hurting others or um, trying to force your beliefs on other people. That's one issue that I definitely see with uh, with all religions, except maybe Buddhism, um, is people will try to use their religion to justify uh, wrong actions. I think that's when it becomes a problem. Overall, I think it actually is definitely a good thing to humble yourself and to be able to um, look for guidance in something or have something to hold on to. I know that's uh, what AA is a really big thing about is about religion is holding on to something and giving yourself up to a higher power in order to heal. Uh, but I do think that there can be issues with it when people try to use it as um, sort of a crutch or an excuse to misbehave. Right. Uh, and what are you? What are your your thoughts on the differences between religion and spirituality? Because they they are two totally different things. Uh, oh, absolutely, I, I believe that yeah. as well. Yeah. Uh, Emilio, again, I'll start with you. Yeah. What do you think the significance is between religion and spirituality, and why are they important? Yeah, amen. And so to 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 my good friend Gavin, yeah. So atheists, hey, mad love, mad respect. I've gone through all Thank that you. too. You know, I've gone through yeah. it. And so as long as we understand that we're all we're spiritual beings in terms of like first, we're all spiritual beings first and human beings second. That took me a long time to understand that. So I grew up yeah. Catholic real quickly. I grew up Catholic. I grew up in a monotheistic God. Right. There's only one God, all that stuff. Then I got to realize um, to me that end up being a lot of BS, a lot of belief system. Right. That's something <laughs> yeah. that I really I, I didn't really believe anymore. My God wasn't the God of my mother and all this other stuff. I got to realize that spirituality, just simply when I'm asked spiritual fitness, what is that about? For me, spiritual spirituality is just a connection to our true essence, our true, we're, we're spiritual beings, right? Gavin yeah. is all of us on here, you're on. So that spirituality is just, how do you connect to, to your source? It, it could be nature, right? Nature is very healing, right, Gavin? I'm sure you work Absolutely. out. And, and so when you walk, that, I try. That, that to me is spiritual. Here's what my definition of yeah. a spiritual experience is. To me, when I think of a spiritual experience, I don't think of the clouds opening up and light coming down. I think of this, when I can look into your eyes, when when we're meeting, even if we're on a bus stop and I never meet you again, but we, we, we lock eyes, that's a spiritual experience for me. Yeah. 
No yeah. doubt. Dave, Absolutely. what do you think? Spirituality and religion. What do you, what do you yeah, think? no, I, I went I went on a similar path to some people here. My karma ran over my dogma a while ago. Um, right. But uh, I, I, for me, spirituality, um, religion is an organized religion. I think there is some value in fellowship and people coming together. Um, I wish we had more community fellowship. I wish there was a secular version that people who have had bad experiences with religion could still uh, gather once a week. Oh, maybe like a show like this and people can gather together and have their sort of spiritual thing. Um, but, uh, but spirituality for me also, one thing that we're not talking about is it gets into the meaning of life. You know, why are we waking up so early? Why yeah. are we, is it just, are we just trying to make a buck in life? Or are we trying to do something more, uh, more important uh, in life, you know? Um, and, and I think that it's, it's just, it's, it's really important to, to have all of us realize that we're on this planet together. We're all trying to go on a similar journey and meaning in life is really, is really key. I mean, Nietzsche actually said it best when he said, God is dead. A lot of people misinterpret that phrase. What he was saying was that, uh, at one point, everybody's meaning in life had to do with God. Everybody is on a battle with Satan and, you know, and, and, and many people still have that, have that paradigm. But Nietzsche basically said that when majority of society rejects that idea, what are they going to embrace? And he was worried that we'd have a rash of nihilism, that people would realize life is meaningless, that it has no greater meaning. And that's why people, I think that's what people really need to look for, for spirituality. What is the meaning? It seems as though the biggest and best answer people have found is for each other. So I think we need to go back to that fellowship of, of, of some sort. People need to support each other and have a fellowship. And I think religion did that for people at one point because we we're all in groups. I think um, personally, I think identity politics is splitting us all up. I don't see any reason why I, 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 I've practiced Tibetan Buddhism as well as Christianity and, and, and Ifa from Africa and a bunch of other things people probably wouldn't even recognize. And I've, I've been in, uh, I've been in uh, temples. I've, I've, I've meditated with yogis. I've, I've done all these things and I'm the white guy in the room, but that shouldn't freaking matter. You know, we should, we should have a time where all of us from all races, all creeds, all backgrounds can actually get together and support each other. And I, I really hope we can get past our differences because even people of faith, it, it amazes me how people of faith have so much more in common with each other, yet they bicker on like one line in the Bible or little things. And it's like, if, if everybody could get together and just realize life is tough, life is, you know, Life is suffering, like the Buddha said, or, or you know, life is difficult, um, and and we need to you know come together, like Jesus would say. Uh, we, we realize that most of these spiritual practices, they 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 kind of say the same thing: is that life is difficult. We need to support each other. We need to have faith in the unknown. We need to to um, to have a meaning to life. We need to. I need a bigger reason to get up in the morning than just making a buck, guys. If, no if doubt. I'm yeah. making money, I'll, I'll be I'll be fine. I'll I'll just make a few bucks and I'll watch TV and and fart all day or whatever, but I, I want to do more with my life. I want to have something meaningful. And that's what spirituality is to me. And, and, and on that, I think that Frederick Nietzsche was like a purveyor of, yeah. of, of bringing it in, in written form. Obviously, I don't think that Frederick Nietzsche was the first individual to have uh, a thoughts on nihilism and yeah. its incorporation with uh, spirituality and religion. Uh, However, he did bring it to the front. I think it was beyond heaven and hell. Uh, is was one of his books, and, and well, he, he was really one who who saw nihilism as a as a disease, and if humanity right. embraces nihilism as a whole, we're we're doomed. 
You know, right. if, if everybody loses spirituality of some sort, then wh why do we why do we show up for work? Why do we do anything? We're just doing it to impress other people. That's a terrible reason to do and, things, you know. And, and I think yeah. that therein lies the difference for me between spiritualism and, re and religion. Religion to me is more of an extroverted practice. Mm. And spirituality is more of, of an introverted uh, thing. <clears throat> spirituality, like I don't really talk about my faith a whole lot. Mm -hmm. Except in the right in the right platform, uh, I'm very educated and learned in my faith. But for me, spirituality is something personal. It's between you and God, or your God, or your gods, whatever it is that you choose to follow. And religion is a a doctrine of control. At the end of the day, I think that organized religion or religion in and of itself is a control mechanism that was put into place. Like if you go back and, and predate Christianity, or predate even the uh, the written texts, the even the cuneiform tablets. Bro, from back in uh, uh, the time of like Nebuchadnezzar in uh, Persia, uh, and, and and some of those, uh, if like the Old Testament kings, the Old Testament to me was not so much a, re a religious document. The was, save the the uh, uh, first five books of the Bible, which uh, what was that the um, the, Pentateuch. the the Pentateuch, right? Uh, mm -hmm. you, you take out the first five books. The rest of that is just a literal historical document transcribing the tribal migrations of the Hebrew nation. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and if you look at the secular activity surrounding that time in that area, spirituality was introverted in, in, in the, the doctrine of religion was extroverted. I used as a control mechanism to yeah. subdue the lands and to keep people in line. Well, I would, I would count that a little bit. I, I, I would counter that a little bit if I can jump in. Is it, it's, it's kind of like to me, it's kind of like how Mark Twain said that that uh, something about politicians never trusting a politician and somebody who would want to be a politician, I'd trust them even less. You know. <laughs> um, so, but the, the idea is that I believe that the uh, religion came about because there is a, a thing in our genome where we really do see value in it. There is an evolutionary value in that that to bring the atheist and the the Christian idea together. There's an evolutionary value in having faith in the unknown, let's say, and, and, and to overcome adversity, all of us coming together under one cause, that became a god. But then, of course, uh, every, every time you have a, a bunch of people who believe in one thing, humans create a hierarchy, and who was seeking to be at the top of the hierarchy would be some corrupt people. So I think that yeah. any time you have a number of people, you could have any you could have a following online. You could have a whole bunch of things. If if it's open to, um, you know, over generations and, and changing, you're going to have people who are going to see. They want to be the boss, and that person might not always be the best person. They're the, you know, the, the first person, like let's say, you know, Jesus or you know Dalai Lama or something. You know, the first one was pretty good, you know. But then as other people get in charge, maybe it's not so good, you know, because yeah. there's power there, and the people who seek power are not always the best people to have power. Let's put it that Absolutely. way. You know? so that, that's where familiar I think that people are rejecting this. religion. They're, they're rejecting that, that mm -hmm. structure, but the, the teachings are usually great. I mean, it, if you really look right. at the core teachings of all these religions, it, it's, all great. it's very beautiful. Right. Yeah. 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 What did you say, Gavin? Are any of you uh, familiar with the, uh, the Mayan temples in Belize? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. the Mayan yeah. temples. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So how, how those came about, um, so I actually took like, to Belize. It's a codal and, and all yep. that. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. So I took a trip to Belize uh, a couple years ago for two weeks in the summer. And one of the things I learned there when I was um, exploring and touring the Mayan temples is the uh, the emperors there and the leaders are actually used religion to keep power over the people. So they'd have um, they'd have their leader there. Uh, it's called the how they'd have their how. And he had people that he knew uh, they could tell what the weather was going to be like and they could tell what the stars were going to be like. The, these scientists, these men who had studied the atmosphere around them and the world around them and what he would do the how is he would tell the people hey you need to donate you need to give me these food and these riches mm -hmm. and if you do it'll rain in five days and people yeah. want to believe him at first and then he talked to the astrologers and the weather people and they'd say yeah no it's going to rain in five days and sure enough it would and so people would start to believe him and then they had gods depicted um, in paintings where they'd have cross eyes and flat heads. So they would take their children, actually, and they'd put a bead on these newborn babies on their nose to make them cross-eyed. And they'd take big stones and ah. they would hold and press them down on their foreheads while their skulls are still soft. And it would mm -hmm. flatten their heads. And they say, look at my child, look at my son. He has the forehead and the eyes of the gods. He is heavenly. Now, wow. I, I am the father of this heavenly being. Yeah, And so now you need to donate to me. You need to listen That's... to my rule and my son because we are descendants from the heavens. Yeah, because well, I, just, I, just, I just broke the brain yeah. of my child. I should be admired. Yeah. yeah. Clearly, we, we could go on for hours about this. It's interesting. <laughs> Absolutely. But yeah. We are winding down. So I definitely want to thank uh, everybody on the panel for just such an interesting dialogue and amazing discussion. Uh, we are coming to the end of the show. And what we do like to do here, Emilio, is that we go around and we uh, like to give everybody uh, one last word. Man, we like to, uh, whatever it is you'd like to say, you have an audience and uh, you get to tell, you know, just whatever the last words you want to leave people with. Uh, I would ask that you guys stick around after the exit of the show so we can uh, have a little bit of wrap-up session uh but we are going to start with gavin uh emilio as the guest we will finish with you uh, uh gavin final words for yeah. the day yeah so uh one thing that i come to learn every time that we do one of these uh one of the shows an episode and then just in life in general it is very very important to have your own voice but a lot of the time is also more important to listen to other people's voices no doubt man well said sir Dave, what do you got for our fans? <laughs> well, actually, I, I actually want to want to second what Gavin's saying. Um, and I, I, I've, I've made no bones about it. One of the reasons why I'm here is I want to gather ideas for you know some of the stuff I'm doing on YouTube and uh, listening to other people's voices. I heard today I'm going to work on a video on if overprotectiveness is destructive in kids with their brains. Um, uh, definitely more videos on sleep and on yoga as well. So and possibly repressed memory. So this is uh, already in one episode. I'm getting like, you know, several ideas for, for videos. So I want to thank everybody uh, here and I'll see you on Monday, next Monday. Oh. Yeah. Uh, I, my thoughts for this, the last thing I, is, is take time to understand your spirituality. I think it's so important and it's so huge, but I also think that it's something that's between you and your creator uh, and your mind. I don't think even Jesus once said, Jesus went and prayed in private. Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, he went to so many places to pray in private because faith and spirituality is between you and God, first and foremost. 
you got to have it right within yourself before you can give it off to anybody else, whatever your faith is, and even the lack of faith. If you have no religion, atheists is a belief system. They are still people of moral and principle. So remember that. Emilio, you have the floor, my friend. Listen, uh, thank you so much. Every single one of you love to connect with you on the back end. Um, Listen, my words on this is simple. It's been said before. People with religion want to argue about it. People with spirituality just want to share it. And that's what we've done today in this platform. And you've honored every single one of us here today, Sonny. And so I thank you. Thank you for allowing us to all share our our belief. I look forward to uh, uh, being invited again. Absolutely. Why don't you go ahead and let our fans and viewers know where they can find you and your stuff. It's shameless plug time. Go ahead and plug it all in. (laughs) Hey, real quickly, guys, uh, spiritualfitnessacademy.com or emilaroman.com. Uh, you, if you want to learn more about me and what my mission is, and which is I help people tap into their spiritual gifts. That's what I be doing. That's right. Uh, awesome, guys. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in this morning. Thank you guys all for joining, for Dave, for Emilio, for Gavin. Thank you guys so much. Have an awesome and blessed, beautiful day. Uh, don't forget, if you're watching here on YouTube, I have uh, a sneak peek of Rock One-on-One coming up with Arian Lucasen from Arian. Uh, it's going to be great. Coming up at 11 a.m. Eastern time, and we'll see you guys all again. Dave, we'll see you next Monday. Emilio will catch you again soon, my friend. Gavin, I will see you in the morning. Everyone have a morning. Amazing day.